So, Stu, the new Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice trailer came out last night. It seems like we're starting to time our little podcast here to trailer releases as, <laughs> as opposed to actual films, because the last one we did the night the, 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 the final Force Awakens trailer dropped. No, you're right. That is. I'd forgotten that that was the last one that we did. And now, instead of talking about what we plan to talk about, we can bitch about Batman versus Superman. For... <laughs> Except you don't like to bitch about this movie, do you? No, I you, okay. It, I don't love everything, but I you know what? I'm on board. I I really like what I've seen. Because the general nerd consensus, internet nerd community, movie geek community consensus, that was a lot of words to describe that, <laughs> but okay. You get the drift is right. that this movie looks like a maybe not disaster that might be a little harsh but there's there's a lot of questioning going on about the direction warner brothers is taking with a lot of people don't a lot of pessimism because nerds want what nerds want and when a movie doesn't look exactly what they had already pictured in their head of what they consider to be the perfect depiction of these characters then they get all bent out of shape and they and they just preemptively declare it to be horrible uh, or just not what they want, or whatever. Which, yeah, okay, fine, I I can get that to a certain degree. But I mean, I guess some of this is still kind of the, from the fact that I I still unapologetically love Man of Steel. Uh, so I, you know, I'm not one of those that hated the movie or thought that it, you know, did a bunch of stuff wrong or whatever. You know, so I'm I'm on board with this. Now, granted, this looks way, way, way sillier than Man of Steel. It, it's almost a complete 180. Uh, you know, from the you know from the real somber tone of of Man of Steel, and that's kind of what I love about this. Like it, it's so unabashedly comic booky, in a way that even a lot of the Marvel films really haven't been. Like it just you know with everything that this showed, well, I mean it's just, it's the, just it's really kind of I mean some of those Marvel movies are really comic booky. No, it's just some of them are, but I mean I don't know. There's just something about I don't know. Maybe it's Maybe it's because there's so few capes in the Marvel in the Marvel films. You Listen, know? I, I I don't I don't know I don't know it's it's hard for me to put my finger on on really kind of why this feels more comic booky than a lot of the Marvel stuff. Listen, I've had as much fun as anyone kind of trashing this movie on Twitter and on Facebook and joking about it and sort of pointing and laughing. And the thing is, some of it's in jest, some of it it's just it's just dumb fun to have on the internet the thing is is uh what you describe about you know uh you know comic nerds getting these characters into their heads of how they want to see them realized on the screen and if it's changed even a small percentage they blow up there's some of that going on but i think it's totally fair to say look the way warner brothers is going about setting up their shared universe is kind of ass backwards and it is that, it is backwards. I will agree with that. And that they're I, struggling, I kind of... and that they, you know, Man of Steel. Even though I think it's a a solid to good movie, uh, I think it struggles with tone. And this one looks even more sort of all over the place in tone, at least from the trailers. So it looks like some of the problems I have with Man of Steel might be exacerbated here. And so, I mean, based on what they're showing us, and based on what we know, how this movie's been put together, there are legitimate criticisms to levy here. There are legitimate criticisms, but I often, those aren't the ones that I often see levied against this. Well, then you're not listening to me, 
And who are you following on Twitter? <laughs> because <laughs> I, I've seen, I see sensible people. I see sensible film critics, movie writers, film fans, you know, uh, criticizing this film, what we've seen of this film from a legitimate standpoint. And I know the fight, what I always yell back at you is, yes, it's not entirely fair to write the movie off based on two trailers. Right. And we have no idea. I mean, maybe the tonal issues we're, we're worried about for a variety of reasons. Maybe well, that, I mean, that won't even be an issue in the movie. Of, of course. Right. I mean, this movie, I mean, look, we're all going to see it. I'm going to see it opening weekend. And I keep an open mind about stuff and maybe I'll be blown away. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. But the point is, is that it's totally fair to criticize what we've seen. Well, sure. I'm not, based I'm not on, saying that you. I'm not saying that yeah. you can't criticize this. I'm. Right. I'm not. You know. Well, see, sometimes I think you're do. almost saying that, Stu. <laughs> so. I'm not saying that it's that it's impervious to criticism. Okay. It's just. I, I guess. I guess part of my problem is that it, the criticism has been so relentless and it's gotten so over the top over a movie that n- that no one has seen. And do you think some of it's because just the Marvel fanboys acting up, people kind of I feel really like they think, have to choose I really sides? I think that's a lot of it. People like people see the Marvel method as the only way to do this. Well, you know. Yeah. And and I and I think that that's I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. I Yes, the Marvel method has absolutely worked in their favor. Marvel has handled their properties and their films uh, you know, and setting the whole shared universe thing uh, in a way that obviously has worked, but I don't, I don't think that that DC necessarily has to to go that route. Their characters are different. Their characters, you know, live and breathe differently than Marvel's characters do. They always have, uh, you know. So taking taking a different approach doesn't doesn't guarantee that uh, that Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman and Batman versus Superman are going to uh, be lesser films just because they don't have the same kind of, you know, drawn out build up the way that Marvel did. Well, let me say this. I'm actually I was OK with the trailer. I uh, I didn't yeah, like let's, the, let's I, actually talk about the trailer. I, I didn't like the first va- trailer very much. Everything I've read about this movie doesn't instill me with much confidence, but I kind of like this trailer. I, I think the movie still kind of looks dumb, but this is the first footage I've seen that it looks like, OK, well, I think it looks dumb, it could but be, I think it looks dumb in a very fun cor- way. That's what I was going to say, that this is the first footage I've seen that hints that it could be really dumb fun. And I like the opening bit between Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne, Affleck's smirk, you know, right at the end of that, right before the Warner Brothers logo kicks in is nice. Um, I kind of like the take they're doing on Batman. I don't think there's any chance it's going to be my favorite big screen Batman incarnation. But I like the fact that uh, Affleck's Batman looks decidedly different from what we've seen before. And I'm not just talking about costume design. I'm right. talking about the whole how no, just his how, size and yeah, how, the the, how they're moves. presenting the character seems right. like a probably a bigger step from Bale than Bale was from Keaton, honestly. Yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree with that. And and I and I and I'm fine with that. I think it looks I think that looks good. The big sore thumb thing for me is still Jesse Eisenberg. I don't he seems like he's in a completely different film. It doesn't seem to match the rest of what's going on at all. It's pretty much unrecognizable as of from any version of Lex Luthor the character. It's jarring. I will absolutely 100% agree with that. Uh, it's certainly not what I expected. You know, when when Jesse Eisenberg was cast, everybody's like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get you know Lex Zuckerberg. That's what we're gonna get." Uh, which I, you know, I mean, that that's a fair enough assumption. But but instead, we're getting Jim Carrey and Batman Forever. 
actually we're we're getting we are getting Max Landis right I read as about Lex that. Luthor, uh, which okay again it's it's not necessarily what I want or expect from a Lex Luthor, but I I kind of like it I uh, I don't know it, it's, it's hard. Again, hard for me to put my finger on it, but I mean, if, listen, if what he's going for, and this seems, listen. from my perception, what he's going for, you know, being the sort of erratic, loud motor mouth in public, and then being, you know, the the scheming mad genius uh, behind the scenes, you know, that that can work. I I think that's fine. It just seems so broad and silly and for that to work i mean it's re- they're gonna have I to think, nail that it. it's gonna have to have excellent writing they're gonna i mean it's such a tightrope to walk on and that line the, the one line in the trailer where he's like if man won't kill it the devil will do it it's so bad i mean that's such a just a, a cringe inducing line of dialogue and the delivery's <laughs> kind of shitty and it's that line right there makes me think this is not gonna work I, whatever see, they're trying me, that, for this is to, not gonna work to me, that's one of those things where it's like, you know what? Okay, yeah, it's silly, but context is king. Every everything in this in this but trailer the, is out of is out of context, even though they listen, basically show the right. entire movie. The thing is, that kind uh, of performance can work in a comic book film, but again, right. that that film is Batman Forever. Whereas this film, a lot of the other stuff we're seeing is dark and brooding and heavy and serious. Assuming and, that the that the wow. actual execution is like that, correct? But that's what they're because showing remember, us. like, but I mean, that's like, what they're showing you, us. Well, but but uh, again, right. I mean, like the Man of Steel trailers, so right. much, so much, so much of that, you know, those great trailers made me think, oh, this is like Superman as done by Terrence Malick, right? And that's that's not what it was. We at thought all. we were getting a sweeping emotional epic, right. and instead we got a cold science fiction film, right? So yeah, right. So you know, it, it who, who knows? It, it it's it's a huge question mark. I'll definitely agree. With I, I I I'm a I'm still going to rag on this movie for the next few months, but I'm I'm a teensy bit more optimistic now. I am. I'm a teensy bit more optimistic that it could be a fun watch. Well, so. Zack Snyder is grateful, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. All right, everyone. Welcome to the 22nd installment of the Cult Spark podcast. My name is Bob Taylor. I'm joined by Stu Smith. And as always, we're here to talk about entertainments of the cult and geek varieties. Although we're going to talk about Creed tonight, Stu. Does that qualify as the cult and geek varieties? I, I don't know that it necessarily I mean, I does. guess there's a cult of Rocky. Does everyone who sits on their couch like on Thanksgiving watching Rocky marathons, is that a cult? Can we call that a cult? Not really. Sure, why not? Let's but do it. For the sake of... we Listen, Creed's fucking awesome and we want to talk about it. So, <laughs> however, we have, <laughs> however we have to justify this, right? Sure. Um, Whatever it takes. I'm um yeah, I'll I'll allow it. Whatever. We loved Creed and we're gonna use our damn podcast to talk about it and no one's gonna stop us. So Creed is awesome, right, Stu? Creed is Creed is movie of the year material. Ooh, I don't know if it's that awesome, but it's damn good. No, it really I mean this is at least top five of the year for me. Yeah, uh, I think it would probably be in my top five right now too. It'd probably be around five, but yes. I mean like uh, you know, everybody rightfully, you know, <clears throat> bows down to Mad Max Fury Road. And it, I mean, that's still easily one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, but this, this, this was an emotional wallop that Mad Max just couldn't match. Like I, I cried at least three times. In this I movie. was a mess. I went, to I, a, I went to a screening by myself. There was no empty seat on the left or right of me. And I just was embarrassed through the whole thing. Cause I was bawling. Yeah, 
I, I went with my dad and my brother-in-law, and I'm just, I, I don't, I didn't care. I just, I let loose. It, it was just that whole, the whole movie. It's just, it's so well done, and it, and it just, it feels honest and real, and it, it's just almost no other movie has made me has has felt like that throughout this entire year. It's just, it is a a remarkable accomplishment in in direction and acting and writing. Uh, it's a movie. This movie should not work. Mm-mm. This movie should not have been good. You know, going back to this well, especially after the book was essentially closed with Rocky Balboa, uh, and and making it kind of a spinoff to uh, to boot. You know, this this should not <laughs> this should not have worked. Much less worked even half as well as it did. I didn't really expect it to. I, I didn't either. I mean, like, like, okay, I expected, I expected some good elements. Michael B. Jordan is always great. I've enjoyed him in everything that I've seen him in. He yep. always gives it everything he's got. Yep. Uh, Stallone is always at his best when he's playing Rocky, so I wasn't necessarily worried about that either. I just worried about the necessity of this movie. You know, it's like, what, what can they, what can they really do with this that? Well, that will make it seem worthwhile. You know, like what what can you what kind of story can you really tell here? Well, that's the thing, and that's why it seems like a miracle. And and here's the thing: I I don't think it's a perfect film. I I don't think it's best film of the year material. Um, I think it's a stall. I think in my review I gave it because we assign a rating, and I think I gave it four stars out of five, and I debated between four or four and a half. So it's it's an eight out of ten, a nine out of ten. But the but the thing is is it would have been so easy. For this film to feel like a needless rehash, just some sort of reboot that was an easy cash-in on the Rocky legacy that served no other purpose than to sort of be a quasi-remake and half-heartedly remind you of what came before. But it doesn't feel like that at all. It, it feels like a story that needed to be told as opposed to just a cynical remake of Rocky. It, right. it legitimately feels like its own necessary thing that's told from a place of honest storytelling and even though it might not be a perfect movie i mean that's a miracle well which uh, especially doubly so since it hits so many of the same beats and you know kind of story generalizations that uh, the whole point of the movie is is adonis proving that he belongs in the ring you know and going the distance so i mean yeah it, it just it it even though it hits a lot of that same stuff it it never feels like you know, like you were saying, a cynical rehash, uh, or even necessarily lazy for right. doing that it, sort it, of even thing. Even though you can beat by go beat by beat through the plot and match up the Rocky Adrian romance next to the romance in this film, and even the way the fight ends up. I mean, yeah, I mean there are bullet points where it tracks with Rocky, but right. it, but it doesn't feel like a, a shameless remake for a new young audience. It doesn't feel like that. To us old people, it, it feels like something vital and new and fresh to the franchise. I seriously, I have no idea how they did it, but it's wonderful. Thus, thus is the talent of Ryan Coogler. I, I want him. <laughs> God, I hope this just gets him so much goodwill. Yeah, I in in Hollywood and just lets him, you know, really start to you know, boost his profile. I and, didn't. And, I was a Michael B. Jordan fan coming in. So oh, same. I mean, with him, it's like that that was like the one thing that made me somewhat optimistic for this film. But Coogler, I didn't watch Fruitvale Station, his debut until like two days before I saw this. And, and so 
his name wasn't really a draw for me or a tip that maybe this is going to be something better than what I think it's going to be. But right. Fruitville Station's tremendous. Uh, and, it's one. It's a. It's a remarkable movie. And now this, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, we could sit here and say, wow, Kugler's one of the best black filmmakers working today, which is true. But take out the black; he's one of the best filmmakers working yeah. today. And, yeah, there, uh, there is, there is no qualifier there. Right. I just want to see this guy do so much more awesome stuff. Not Creed Two, which I wrote about. I don't want this. <laughs> I don't want these guys wrapped up in Creed sequels for the next ten years. Let's go out and do something truly amazing. Now that this is out of the way, but um, uh, who knows where these people can go from here? Because because Jordan's amazing in it, and Kugler just Kugler. Did I pronounce that right? Just does Kugler. Yeah. Yeah. It just just does a fantastic Knocks job. Not Did you read a? Uh, Matt Singer's article at Screen Crush talking about legacy sequels, he calls them. Uh, I no, There's, I don't think I did. There, Matt Singer, uh, a film critic, wrote a pretty interesting article at Screen Crush about he calls them legacy sequels. Right. Legacy sequels, which is kind of like this new thing where they're taking these properties that originated in the 70s or maybe 80s or somewhere around that time period, and they're updating updating them for a new teenage younger audience. But instead of rebooting, they're trying to keep the original continuity intact. Right. Which sounds like a train wreck. But then he gives, you know, all these examples of where, you know, Creed really pulls this off. And um, the new The Force Awakens is going to be very much that style of sequel. And some of the other ones he lists are like X-Men Days of Future Past, which ties in the original cast from the early 2000s with their new cast. J.J. Uh, Abrams' Star Trek movies, which, you know, had Leonard Nimoy and tied in and tied in the original timeline to the new one. And it is pretty fascinating, I think, to me that Hollywood's going in this direction now and that most of these movies, I mean, Creed is good. Uh, X-Men Days of Future Past is good. The first of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movies is good. Uh, I know one of the ones Singer lists that's not good is uh, Tron Legacy, which I'm not a fan of. But uh, I'm a fan of the soundtrack. Well, yeah, of course. It's fantastic. Movie, not so much. But um, we're probably going to see a lot of these things from here on out. Especially, you know, we, we think Star Wars is going to blow up, and now that Creed's kind of blowing up, we're going to get tons of this stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every studio is going to start mining their back catalog to see what, you know old formerly popular or still marginally popular franchises that they used to have that they can kind of drag out like that. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually, I'm fine with this because I mean, reboots and remakes, I mean, right. those, have, those have been around for as long as Hollywood's been around, but I mean, obviously they're, you know, they're definitely all the rage right now. Uh, I am totally in favor of Lega sequels as opposed to, you know, straight reboots I mean, as an uh, ancient. So long as they're so long as they're done well, um, as opposed or even as opposed to some, something like you know the the thing prequel that we got. All right. You know stuff like that. Uh, you know, I mean, obvi- obviously, this is the thing that can definitely work exceptionally well. Uh, you know, as we've <laughs> as we've seen with Creed, and uh, hopefully we'll see with Star Wars. Look, I'm an ancient. 41 year old man who cares about these universes so i much prefer the legacy sequel approach where you keep the continuity intact as opposed to the reboot i mean just selfishly i would rather do it this way and in fact the thing that drives me nuts is that the ghostbuster reboot is not the legacy sequel it should it should so obviously be 
Right. Like I have, I you know, I have no problems with the ladies that they've cast in this movie. I like them all. I have not a lot of problems with um, a story they're choosing to tell about, you know, an upstart ghost busting team. I have no problems with the behind the scenes talent on board with that movie. But why are they setting that film in a universe where Peter Venkman and Ray Stance don't exist? Why, why is that happening? It drives well, me it nuts. Just, it seems so needless. I mean, you know, like what, what's the what is the point of not including those guys, but then having them as cameos, like having the actors as cameos, but in different parts. I mean, the, right, right, the actors right, exactly. are cameoing in the film in different roles. It doesn't make just, sense. Like. It dry, Ghostbusters I, was one, always one of those things that, that seems like it was tailor-made. For franchising. Right. Yeah. And I just... Uh, I, I, I'm, it's a real hard for me to get behind that movie because of that. <clears throat> and then, you know, you don't want to say it out loud because people are just like, ah, you're sexist. You don't want to, you don't want the Lady Ghostbuster right. movie. No, I do. I do want the Lady Ghostbuster movie. Especially with those actresses who are also wonderful. I just want that to be set in the universe where Pete Bankman was there. So, but I wonder if they're regretting it now. Now the Creed's gone off and Star Wars is coming and this legacy sequel's getting articles written about it on the internet. I'm wondering if they're like, hmm, we should have done it that way. Maybe. So, but back to Creed, because Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep talking about this. Please do. Let's talk about how amazing Stallone is in this movie. It's my favorite. I think it's my favorite Sylvester Stallone performance ever. Ever. Including Including the original Rocky. It's it's definitely one of his best, if not his best performance. I think just I don't know I don't know if I would call it my favorite. I, you know, it's hard to call it my favorite because it's like you know, aside from Rocky Four, he's stayed pretty true to this character throughout the entire run. I mean, you know, it it it, it feels like such Rocky a Rocky Four is awesome. Shut your mouth, Stu. But Rocky on. Four is is <laughs> fine. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't necessarily feel like Rocky in that movie. Mm, okay, um, I'll allow it. I, I'm, but, a, I'm a big Rocky Four defender, so. But you know, but I mean, he's he's stayed true to this character, and it's like it it feels like one performance, really, in a lot of ways. You know, like it, it's not like he's oh he's returning to this character, and it's oh okay, well it's a little bit no, it's like it's just it's Rocky from beginning to end. You know, I've written this in a couple different places now, but. With the character of Rocky, Creed kind of hits some of the same beats that Rocky Balboa did, but I just feel like they're so much more nuanced and just better in Creed. Right. It's just it's just such an excellent snapshot of this once great man who's lo- you know everything he's pretty much cared about is gone. Um, the world, Everything has passed him by. The world's passed him by, and he's just kind of playing out the string. He, he doesn't really seem depressed or suicidal or anything he's just content to sit in his you know little apartment and and run his restaurant and just let the rest of his life happen and he but he doesn't have much to live for past that you know really he's ready to just kind of fade away and then and then this young man comes into his life that that right that gives him something to legitimately be excited about and give him something to live for and give him something to where he's actually looking forward to the next day and it's, I mean, it's it's just fantastic, and Stallone plays it so well, so well. I, I've never understood the people that say that Stallone is a bad actor, because well, I, I, can, the, I can understand it. 
No, but it's like if if you if you think that the only stuff that you've ever seen are you know stuff like you know the the specialist and okay, but, I mean, daylight outside, and yeah, but, daylight listen, and you know yeah but outside but I mean, like, the, listen outside at, no, wait, wait 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 outside the rocky franchise what are we quali- what are we saying are great stallone performances or even good stallone performances the, uh, the original first blood his, his performance in copland okay uh which is so supremely underrated the movie as a whole but stallone's performance there especially um, the original First Blood, are we going to give him that? or I'm going to give him First Blood Part 1 and 2. <sighs> I, I think it's Part 3 is where he turns into a cartoon, but there is a, there's a lot more going on with uh, First Blood Part 2. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think l- give credit I like for. that movie, but I'm not about to call it a good lead performance. It's... I mean, it's it's certainly not, it, it doesn't hold a candle to his First Blood performance, uh, but, you know, it's just, I mean, there there is some good stuff that's layered in there, and I'll I'll even go to bat for his performance uh, in Rambo Four. You know, I've never seen Rambo Four. Oh man, oh dude. Yeah, okay. I, I know people like it, to. and it's a bloodbath. You absolutely need to. Never saw it, but I saw Over the Top, and I've seen Cobra, and I saw Judge Dredd, and I've seen a whole bunch of shitty movies that Sylvester Stallone is shitty in, but. So, you know, right, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you if that's all you've seen is like, you know, Cobra and and Demolition Man and, and Judge Dredd, if that's all you've really seen and not really ever paid attention to how good he can be when written and directed well, then, you know, it's, he's he's got so much to offer. And I, I wish that he would have opened himself up to to letting other people you know, write these dramatic roles for him and, and, you know, and direct him in that way. Because I, 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 this is proof that he's got so much more to offer. I'm not than en- just, you know, slurred, slurred one liners and grunts. I'm not entirely sure I would go this far or agree with you this much, but I would still, I would still think even you would be bowled over by how good he is in Creed. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, it's, I I knew that he was going to be good because he's always like I said he's always been good in Rocky. Um you know, he's never felt more natural. Yes. Uh than when he is playing this character. I, I think all. natural is actually the absolutely correct word for his performance in this film. It seems so real. Right. Well, and you know, one thing that's always it's always struck me that, you know, when he when he writes Rocky, it, it's always felt like, you know, this is who Stallone wishes he could be or how, you know, how he kind of sees himself, you know, like there, there's just so much honesty to, to what he invests into Rocky that it just, you know, it, it comes from a, a place of just, you know, such honesty that it's like, the, the, I don't know, it, it's something really, really special and and it shines so brightly here. The, I agree. I think the fights in the film are excellent because one of the big problems I had with Rocky Balboa, which I don't like as much as most people, is that I think the fight in that film is boring. It just looks like an HBO prod broadcast. They don't attack. They don't attempt to uh, cinemize it at all. Right. Whereas the fights in Creed are thrilling, especially the first one, which is like no cuts. Cameras, the all one take. Yeah, camera. Which they actually did that with no CG. That's incredible. Really, it's it's actually one take. It's actually one take. The only yeah, CG impressive. that they used was for the uh, the cut that Adonis gets over right. one of his eyes. They had to CG that in. Okay. Um, but everything else was was done practically. Like they spent 
uh, I mean, they spent such a long time, like the the two the two actors uh, practicing and doing choreography and uh, having the cameraman, you know, practice weaving in and out. Both fights are incredibly cinematic and a joy to watch. The second fight, I did, you know, we were talking about how this film apes the original Rocky in a lot right. of, in, a, in its plotting and a lot of the bullet points of the movie. And, and it never really bothered me, as we said, except for a little bit at the end of the fight. When the fight ends identically to the fight in the original Rocky, it was... It was a hair of a letdown for me. Well, I, see, I'm I'm okay with that if only because it makes sense within boxing, you know. And it made sense in the context of Donnie's character arc. Right. So I I was okay he was with he was it. never gonna knock out this this untouched pro. That just I mean that well, that that to I me mean, it is a, it is that a to film. me would have been a bit much. It is a movie. I mean we. It is a movie, that. but I still it wouldn't have felt. I don't know. It would have felt a little disingenuous. I don't know. I go back and forth though. Let's assume. Let's assume we're not going to get a Creed two, which we probably are, honestly. But let, let's assume, probably are. Let's assume we're never going to have a Creed two. I, I mean, wouldn't it make just more sense to give the audience entirely what it wants and have him win? No, because that would kind of again it's that would kind of betray the the film. And, you know, I don't know if it would that bad. It's it's I, it would have it would have been horrible. But him, I think him going I think the it would distance so much better. Adonis going the distance does going the distance but not winning does thematically fit a little better. Well, but I okay, don't think like, I don't ask, think ask, it would have been a betrayal. I don't think it would have been a betrayal of everything we saw just to have him win the fight. A- ask yourself this. If Rocky had knocked out uh Apollo or had won the split decision, that wouldn't have worked as much, right? Because that that wasn't that wasn't even the point You're at all. Correct, but that was also the first time we had ever seen that. Where right, but I mean this is this is, and the thing you know what you're talking about whether it's believable or not. But the fact is he did knock him down, and if you know if if that if that match goes on for thirty more seconds based on what we see in the movie, Adonis is going to win. He's going to win if there's another minute in that round from the looks of it, right? If if he had gotten one more good hit in, he would have won. So, yeah. I mean, you're saying oh it's it's. It's it would be too unbelievable that he would beat the season champion of the world, but I, I mean essentially he does. It just he runs out of time. I mean I, I mean I understand the guy gets back up at the end. He avoids. Well, the I mean okay, count, I mean you can say that about uh, you. Can I know, say that but about, I'm, like anything, like it, you I know, know but I, race I'm, or whatever. I, I mean I'm just saying it's clear that he comes very close to winning the fight. So I don't think it's that unbelievable if he had. It's not. It's not unbelievable. It, I just you know I. It feels a little dishonest having him win. Again, I have no problems with it, except that's the one point in the film where it kind of itched at the back of my head, like, wow, this is really just kind of aping the first, the original Rocky. But again, it, it doesn't really blemish the film for me. Right. It's just, I think it's something interesting to talk about. What else should we say about Creed's do? Besides, uh, let's, let's, talk how little, open... let's talk a little bit about how amazing uh, Michael B. Jordan is. He, I mean, he's fantastic. I mean, I, uh, he he has the most difficult job here, you know, because he's got to he's got to give us some of what Apollo had. He's got to establish himself, you know, as as uh, you know, as his own character. Uh, and and he he's such a he's such a complex character. Like he's arrogant enough to think that he can do this, to think that he can, you know, become this boxer. Uh, despite having no real training and only doing, you know, 
Bush League fights illegally in Tijuana. Uh, you know, he's he's charming, he's funny, but he's also, you know, he's he's not so arrogant that we that we dislike him or think that he's. Uh, uh, he is excellent at playing these complex multi-dimensional characters and in fruitville station which is again i just watched it for the first time like two weeks ago so it's still pretty clear in my mind there's this scene where he's trying to get his job back at the grocery store like at the deli counter right and the his 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 old boss you know is telling him you know no you you got fired you you didn't show up on time and he kind of unloads and threatens his boss and he's really intimidating and a little scary in that scene. And you get a really, I mean, the, the, the character he's playing, which is based on a real life person, but it's a character, you know, as far as that movie goes, has some dark sides. I mean, he's a drug dealer. Yeah. He has some dark sides. And Michael B. Jordan is able to believably play the dark sides of that character and the rough edges of that character while still being completely uh, likable, magnetic. You want to root for him. And it's not the exact same thing with Creed, who's more with more, who's more of a heroic standard movie character. Right. But I think it's the same sort of thing where, you know, there's that little bit of darkness in Adonis in Adonis where he's, you know, missing this fa- father figure and the part where he's shadow boxing against the old footage he's showing. Oh man, that, that might be fight. my favorite. That is by far one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. I mean, movie. you really get a sense of this dude's. Uh, you know, a little bit lost. He's a lot angry. We're not really sure which way this guy can go, but it's so multifaceted and he's such just a charming guy that you just overwhelmingly root for him anyway. And Jordan and, does all of this so effortlessly. Like there's just, there, uh, there are no seams to this performance. I mean, anybody that watched the wire, which of course we both did have been rooting for this guy since he was what? 16 or however, however old he was. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you knew even from The Wire, from the one season, you knew he was something special. And there there has basically been nothing from that point on indicating otherwise. He is one of the absolutely best 20-something actors working today. No question. Yeah. Is there any chance Creed gets nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars? I think it's got a shot. This This is kind of a light year. Well, because, and actually this can be, we'll segue right into it, this can be the next thing we talk about, is that the National Board of Review, which is the first critics group that kind of, they kick off Oscar season, they're the first critics group that releases their their year-end awards, they just named Mad Max Fury Road the best picture of 2015, which is amazing. And it's like, how did that happen? I, I right. I mean, I think it's. <laughs> you know? I, 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 I mean, if Who I were, does that, look, if I were like, ranking, you would do that. What right. is, you know, what it's is like, a, what is a, a, a an establishment like that doing? It's, I know, it's crazy. And, uh, I mean, if I were ranking 2015 movies right now, I'd have The Martian at number one, and it also won a bunch of early. It's it's won a bunch of early awards so far, including right. from the National Board. I would have The Martian number one and Mad Max at two. And even though I think The Martian's probably the more perfect film, you'd be damn sure Mad Max is the one I'm going to watch more at my house. Right. Just because it comfortably fits in our cult and geek parameters, too. (laughs) So we can talk about Mad Max all the time. But if Mad Max can fit in, and I hope it does, maybe Creed sneaks in, too. I I think it's got a shot. I mean, it's, you know... Stallone's going to get nominated, and he should. 
Stallone is going to get nominated. He deserves to win. If he wins, I will be thrilled. I mean, that uh, it'll if, be amazing. If Stallone wins, it's going to be the best Oscar moment in years. Period. Oh, by years. far. Years. I mean. Uh, but yeah, I I think I think Creed stands a chance. I mean, it's it's well made. You know, it's it's a drama. I mean, you know, Rock. Heck, I mean, the original Rocky got nominated. Which film has the better chance of being nominated, Creed or Mad Max Fury Road? Creed. You think? I do. It seems like Mad Max is the more beloved in the critical community, though. Mad Max. Although the Oscars Mad aren't. The, oh, no, a, to be clear, Mad, the Oscars aren't the critics. It's right. the actual. Mad the Max will but, get a lot of technical nominations for sure. Like certainly, uh, I think you know special effects, you know uh, production design, costume design, uh, stuff like that. As far as like the the best picture nomination, I I definitely think Creed Creed is more respectable, quote unquote, uh, just because it's you know it's more a straight drama. Uh, again, it has the 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 whole Rocky legacy, you know Rocky you know won best original screenplay, was nominated for all the you know in all the major categories pretty much, uh, you know so it it at least kind of has precedent in that way. I just wonder. Do people really think Creed is that great of a movie, or are we all just amazingly surprised that it's even very good? I think I I think it is a legitimately yeah. excellent movie. Here, because expectations play so much into this stuff. I, th- I think about this a does, lot. Let me give you an I, example of this. Go ahead. You can. No, no, no. Well, it's like okay, any movie. Like it'd be one thing if I just, if I just kind of walked out and was like, you know what, this this was really well done. I really like that. I mean, you know, Stallone was good, and you know, the direction was good. The fights were nice, and but you know, I walked out of this emotionally fulfilled. I, yeah, I, I did I too. I sat I sat in that movie and cried. That's that's the sign of something that is truly great and not just defying your expectations it's it's always interesting to me about how we feel about movies in relationship to expectations and let me give you an example and i'm going to talk about like we talked we we threw some of this out earlier but i'm kind of going to get into the ratings again you know we're critics so we assign things stars and you know four out of five stars and i i I keep a film diary at letterboxd rb taylor if anybody wants to go look for me where um you know i assign things stars just to kind of log them in my diary so creed i gave four stars to i was waffling between four four and a half and you take a movie like let's take uh man of steel which we brought up earlier man of steel because I wrote a review for that for Cult Spark as well a couple years back, and I think I gave it three and a half. I, I know I know I gave it three and a half. So that's only a half star difference in my mind between Creed and Man of Steel. This is why ratings are dumb. Ratings are dumb. I'm getting <laughs> yes, ratings are. Listen, I only do it because it's it's a talking point. It it honestly helps with the reviews hit wise, and because when I log stuff at Letterboxd, it asks them. Right. So I, I just and I don't put much thought into them. I don't sit around thinking, oh, how many stars should I give Man of Steel? But but what's interesting is is there, I only have a half a star difference between those two films. But in my mind, Creed feels like a raging success just because my expectations for it weren't high, and it just feels like an unqualified super success and all i want to do is tell people to go see it which man of steel where my expectations were huge largely built on those amazing trailers for it and also because you know we're predisposed to want those types of movies to be great because it's a superman movie we're comic book nerds we want them to be great so even though i think man of steel is a good movie it may perhaps even a very good movie 
it was disappointing in the terms of what we wanted from it and what we know a Superman movie can be. We already know how so good did, a Superman did Man movie of Steel can be. disappoint you in all the in the yeah, same it, in the same with the in the same quantity, I guess that Creed surprised you. I, I feel like I have to be doing algebra. Like this is hard <laughs> math. Like am I supposed to write down an equation here to figure Very that out? Head, Bob. It's just interesting that I'm not sure. Uh, listen, Creed is a better movie than Man of Steel. This is a fact. That, that I can absolutely agree with. I think I think Creed's like an 8 out of 10, a borderline 9 out of 10, where Man of Steel's... I think it's, it, Creed is at least a 9 out of 10. Uh, I, I could see giving it a 9 out of 10. Where Man of Steel is like a 7 out of 10, low 7 out of 10. Like 7 I'll out of... Eight. Seven I out give, of I'll give it 4, four, out, of, four out of 5 stars overall. On Man of Steel? Yeah. See, I, I'd give it three and a half, maybe inching toward three. But the fact is, the gulf between those two movies feels so much wider than that again, in my head. This is, and it's this because is why, of this expectations. Is why ratings are stupid. I know, but I know, but it's not the rate, but it's the expectation part of it that fascinates me. Uh, here's the point I'm trying to make: is that I don't think Creed is a perfect film, and I could, I could pick at it maybe of being very a, few movies are a perfect. A, a little long, but it's just, it's just. The Here, that, here's the thing. I don't think that giving a movie five stars out of five or whatever automatically means that it's a perfect film. I think a rating. You gave Pacific Rim five stars out of five, Stu, so obviously. It's not, it's obviously. Not, it's not a per, I've never said that Pacific Rim was a perfect movie. I think I've, I've only said that it's as good as Star you Wars. You gave it five stars, though. Yeah, because it was a five-star experience. I, I had a blast I, dude, watching so, that movie. Listen, I, I I think our last episode, I promised you I would never rag on you about Pacific Rim again, so I owe you a huge uh, apology now. Yeah. Okay, that was the last time, Stu. That was the last time. Go on I, with your point. Whatever. Go on with your point. It was the last time. You liar. <laughs> you are such a liar. A rating isn't, to listen, me, isn't necessarily... Listen. An indicator of how close it is to reaching perfection. Rating films are dumb, and we're never going to talk a about it on this podcast is again. What is the amount of enjoyment that you got out of it? All right. I see. I don't necessarily. So me, ag- I, I don't necessarily me, agree with that. Is a is a is a five star experience because it's it's well acted. It, the direction is great. Stallone. I mean, see, it's I, every. I enjoyed. Every minute of the two See, hours or so that I was that I was in that movie. That's not the way I do it though, because when I have to put that review, when, when I write a review for Cult Spark and I have to throw that uh, rating on at the end, I see I don't think about it that way. I think okay. Is there anything I do differently about this movie? What this movie attempted to accomplish, did it accomplish everything this type of movie would set out to accomplish, or that this particular movie set out to accomplish? And it's like, yeah, I mean, I left the Creed on a huge high buzzin. I just. I don't know if it's anywhere near a five-star movie. I, I might say four and a half, maybe, if my arm was twisted. It's because at the end of the day, it is, I mean, it's a lot like the original Rocky. It's its not really blazing new turf. Is that a phrase? Blazing new turf? It doesn't sound, it sounds like a, that sounds like something I, that sounds, yeah, it sounds like something. Yeah, that, that didn't ass. quite work. It's a fucking mixed modifier or something. I don't know. It's a great film. Every, fuck star ratings. We're never talking about them on the show again. I really hope we don't. If only so that you don't give me more Pacific Rim shit. Never. I, this my solemn vow to you, Stu. I that I don't believe. Just stop right there. So, uh, so how many stars would you give Spectre? 
<laughs> uh, I'd give I'd give Spectre. Uh, we, we don't have to talk about stars, too. But we can. Talk, and, we have time, so let's talk about Spectre. That was the. Uh, it's. it's I'd, a little, I'd give it. I'd give. I'd give it two and a half to maybe three out of five. I gave maybe. It. I gave it two I'm and a half. I'm feeling generous. I gave it two and a half. I don't think it's five. bad. I, it's not a bad movie. It's a hair, But it's just not great. It's a little better than Skyfall. You're out of it. <laughs> my God. I keep forgetting that you don't like Skyfall. Like, I just push it out of my um, mind. Because I'm thinking, this is this is stupid and irrational. He wouldn't actually think that. And then you remind me of that every time you're like, Skyfall sucked, guys. I can't help it. There's like a Bond movie coming out every two or years, and we have oh, to talk about God. it. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It feels kind of like old news, but we do have some more time to kill in this episode, Stu. So we might. The Spectre was the other big November release. It, it was fine. I, you know, I had um, fun watching. It. Uh, okay, I had fun watching it in part because you know I love going to see Bond movies with my dad. I mean, that's been one of our things. Uh, we've watched pretty much all of the movies in the series together, but I, you know, and I, I had fun with it. I think there's some really good stuff in it. I haven't thought about it one lick since nope. I left the theater. Nope. Me neither. I mean, Creed came out and it was just like Spectre. What? what? Right. Uh, I think it was a slightly, I tell you what I want. I, so not to offend your delicate ears. I won't use the, I won't use the word better. But I will say it was a slightly more fun Bond film than Skyfall, which even if you like that film, which most people do, you have to admit, is overly plotty and plodding. And it is a, dour. A, a it, dark, it's dour uh, and, and it's, you know, it's dark. Right. And so, that's fine. So, so Spectre at parts is a little jauntier. Spectre, of a Spectre Bond goes film. full Roger Moore. Uh, it, do, it doesn't okay. go full Roger Moore. But oh, it, it absolutely yeah, does. No, it doesn't, Stu, but it tilts a little more. The, in that okay, direction. the only way that you can say that it doesn't go full Roger Moore is because he doesn't have a, a car that transforms into like a rocket or something. That's the only. That's the only way. But it, it does tilt a little more in that direction, and for that, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that the the, the I liked that the plotting was a little. Actually, I liked that the plotting was a little more straightforward. It wasn't as needlessly comic booky and complex, and you know, Javier Bardem's thinking twenty steps ahead of the villains and Spectre right. predicting. This one's much more of a point A to point B to point C sort of venture film. Um, right. I I do hate the twist with Waltz and how we're delving in the Bond's backstory again. And, and he the was, whole waltz thing could have been handled was, better, but was, I don't hate it. James Bond was destined to get wrapped up with, uh, Blofeld anyway, because they're fucking stepbrothers, which is ludicrous and makes the bond series, a series about destiny rather than just this badass super spy. See, I don't think it does that. There. I don't think it, it totally does that. The fuck it doesn't make it about? about destiny. Yes, it does. It, no, makes, it doesn't. Yes, it does. James, it's his half brother. That doesn't make it about destiny. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. If if listen, if 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 there are two stepbrothers and one of them ends up becoming a criminal mastermind and the other one become ends up becoming Britain's greatest super spy, it's his destiny to eventually take down his half brother. Destiny. See, destiny makes it all sound so much more mystical than than it ever even comes close to being. It is fucking in mystical that two two guys who spent a couple years together in their pre prepubescent years would end up being <laughs> the world's greatest super spy and the world's greatest criminal. And it's not. And I'm not even being sarcastic about all the world's greatest criminal because he is. He's literally responsible for every bad thing that happens in the, all the Daniel Craig Bond films. Ludicrous. Fucking, is he though? Yes. He, is he though? 
Yes. Well, see, I kind of got the impression that he was bullshitting a little bit. He was bluffing it. A little bit. I, you know, I think I think you can make the case for that. Can we please have a, uh, like a, a cut scene on the DVD, like on the out, you know, on the scenes that were cut out of the film, where we get to see Waltz walking around the building at the end and hanging up little pictures of Mads Mikkelsen and all the other villains? Because that that's what the film has you believe that Waltz like walks around taping photocopies of the previous film's <laughs> villains to the walls. Like he had to spend hours setting that up, right? <laughs> How, Stu, how fucking dumb is that? Spectre is... Of a, course it's dumb. It's a James Bond movie. No, they're not all dumb. It's a James... Yeah, they are all dumb. All of them. Living Daylights Every isn't dumb. Every single one. Living Daylights dumb. isn't dumb. Living Daylights is a dumb movie. You not want to dumb. know why? Not dumb. Because Timothy Dalton drives around in a in an Aston Martin and uses the tie, the wheel as a buzzsaw to cut a hole in the ice. That's awesome. And he has lasers on That's, the car. That movie is is dumb you call dumb i call it smart forward thinking that no the world's foremost super he has rocket launchers in his car that's dumb it's that is dumb casino royale not actually the poker in casino royale is dumb but casino royale no casino royale is not dumb dumb the poker playing is kind of dumb but the rest of it's not dumb a a super spy agency number one a super spy agency exists a super spy agency sends its best agent to go play poker to save the world. That's dumb. <laughs> no, because it's dumb. all about the banking. It's all about the money. So this is this is what this is what this is what spy this is this is what spies actually do, Stu. They're not fucking tracking down their half their megalomaniacal half brothers. They're going to where the money is. They're ilf- infiltrating where the money is. That's what spies He's do. Saving the world by playing poker. That's, that's what spies that's, do. That's where the money is. That's where the shit's going down. <laughs> this this conversation is so much better than talking about how many stars we should give Creed. I'll tell you that I right agree. now. I but, agree. But um, uh, it's no. Sp- uh, I don't even know how to get back into this now. Um, I I, okay, but I I think sp- as someone who notoriously doesn't like Skyfall, I think Spectre was a tick better. I still think it's not a very good movie. I still think it's not a very good Bond film. I think it gets ludicrous at the end. I think Blofeld was totally mishandled. And here's what I want. Here's what I want more than anything. I would pay $100 for a ticket to this film if they would kind of go back to the basics, even past the Bond basics. If they could give me a 100-minute Bond film that had nothing to do with his past, that had nothing to do with his license to kill being revoked, that had nothing to do with him having to you know, be on probation and running around behind MI6's back. If we could just have one hour and 40 minute Bond film where he has the full British government on his side, there's a villain he's unconnected to out there wreaking havoc, straight action film, Bond goes out and has to save the day. Get the John Wick guys to direct it. That's what I want. Is that I can too agree, much to I ask? can agree with that. I mean, these movies... I can agree, I can agree with that. I... I these movies have become so overly long and overly complicated, and they're all comic booky now. How it's like a Bond universe where the villains... I will I will definitely agree, agree that two and a half hours is ridiculous for a Bond movie. Just give me a straightforward, action-heavy, propulsive Bond movie without all the psycho babble and backstory and needless bullshit. Just one with Craig, please with Craig, because I love Daniel Craig. I still think he's great in the role. I think he's great in Spectre, but they're wasting him wasting him i think i only like one of his films 
kind of like Quantum of Solace, but not Quantum really. of Solace is terrible. It's not terrible. It's it's Spectre is at least is definitely better than Quantum of Solace. I most people would agree with you, but I would not. You're out of your mind. I think Quantum God, of Solace. You are insane. I think Quantum of Solace is the second best Craig Bond film. Oh my God! And that's not. You know, uh, I don't really. I don't particularly. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't particularly like any of them after Casino Royale. It's 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 Pierce Brosnan all over again. I like. I love Goldeneye. I don't no, see none of these movies are as much goofy fun as the world uh, or Tomorrow uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. None of them. I, I say that. I mean, I Casino mean, Royale I don't particularly is a better like, movie. I, <laughs> Casino Royale is absolutely a better movie. That's not even in question. But in terms of like the ridiculous fun that you kind of want to have out of a Bond movie, like that, and you know, I mean, again, Casino Royale is good. It's just it, it's too long. Again, two and a half hours is not necessary for a Bond movie. I, you know what? I do think Casino Royale is a bit too long, but I don't really. Have it a, is. It's it's too I long in the tooth. I don't have a huge problem with the length of that movie. I have a huge problem with the lengths of Skyfall Inspector. Huge. They're too long, plotting, expositiony. Like, again, they're holding. Um, you know, Spectre. We, we Spectre have these. We have we long. have these great reveals that we're going to tease and tease and tease for two hour and a half hours before we reveal them in the final act. It's ah, oh, please stop. <laughs> Give me a lean, mean Bond movie directed by the John Wick guys, please. Please. Or just any action movie by the John Wick guys. I mean, it doesn't have to be Bond. Just or more of whatever. Coogler directing Idris Elba. And can we have that? Can that I, be a... <laughs> sure. Why not? Abs- why not? I actually am in that camp to think Idris Elba would have been an amazing James Bond 10 years ago, but he's probably a little too old now. It's an uh, he's, he's too he's too old and he's too he's too well known. But no, I want I want but no one more with Craig one more with Craig. We'll get one more with Craig. I'm I know, Sam Mendes is leaving and that makes me happy. What? Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I mean, even as someone who loves Skyfall, because you're wrong. There are we're, we've almost passed up Bond films, Stu. There are. Spectre was the 24th Bond film, and this is the 22nd episode of this podcast. We're going to pass them. How do you feel about that? I don't know. Do you think people I... are saying we're going too long? Bob and Stu were so much better when it was... <laughs> Bob and Stu were so much I'm better. I'm sure when... somebody out there is. Bob and Stu were so much better when, when they were shorter somebody when they were shorter and to the point and not going off on weird tangents about how they <laughs> rate movies and their reviews. Uh, can we take... I want to talk about Fargo a little bit at the end of this episode. The show, the TV show, not the film. And actually, this isn't. And you don't, you you don't, you haven't seen one minute of Fargo. Correct? I haven't so, seen any of it. I'm I really really want to, but it's not. I have to pay for Hulu to watch it, and I just. Eh. I didn't even know it was on Hulu, but go buy the Blu-ray, buy the season one Blu-ray. It's worth it. But anyway, this is. I thought this would be a good episode to talk about it because we talk about things that have no right to work, like Creed shouldn't right. work, but it does. Fargo as a TV show shouldn't work. It's uh, the, the, the original Coen Brothers movie is amazing. It might be my f- – it's in my top three Coen Brothers films. I don't think I like it as well as No Country, but Fargo is an excellent movie. And trying to turn that into a very, very loosely connected but not really TV show seems – without the Coen Brothers direct involvement, 
seems impossible. But season it's not only does it seem impossible, it just se- it seems outright dumb. It like, does. Why why would you do that? It does. I only gave the first season a chance because it was on FX, which has a very good track record, which I think you would agree with. Right. Being a fellow Justified fan. Sure. And because some critics who I respect had seen the first few episodes of season one, I believe, and said, you know, the show's pretty good. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a chance. Season one is a great, very good to great season of television. It was good enough that by the end of it, it's like if this show gets renewed and continues, I'm on board. You know, no matter what they do, I'm on board. The show's good. Although, much like True Detective, it's an anthology series. So every season we get a new cast and a new storyline. And in fact, the second season takes place, the, the first season roughly took place present day. The second season takes place in the 70s. It's actually a loose prequel. One of the characters who was played by Keith Carradine in season one is is returns in season two, but as his younger version played by Patrick Wilson. And that character's daughter, who was the lead in season one, is just like a six-year-old girl in the second season. So it's technically a prequel, but essentially a brand new story. Season two of Fargo, we're eight episodes in. It's ten episodes long. There's two left. I think I'm ready to declare it's one of my ten favorite seasons of television of all time. That's a pretty bold declaration. Stu, it is that good. The first season was anchored by a couple of excellent performances. Um, an actress named Allison Tolman, who was pretty much totally unknown before Fargo, who's excellent in it, uh, and Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman. Basically, those three actors did excellent jobs. There were some colorful characters around them. Bob Odenkirk played a small role. Uh, Key and Peele were in it, both of them, and played a small role, and they were all entertaining. But it was basically anchored by those three actors. The second season is like a fucking hall of fame of character actors. And every single one is just so on fire. It's Patrick Wilson, Ted Danson, Bokeem Woodbine, Kirsten Dunst, Nick Offerman, Gene Smart, Jeffrey Donovan. And, and they're amazing. I mean, every single person in the show is giving a career best performance all at the same time, all on top of each other. And sort of this twisty, you know, crime tale that feels very much part of the FX brand. I mean, if you liked Justified, you'll like this. If you like Sons of Anarchy, you're going to like this. And uh, and it feels very much like an extension of the Cohen style. I mean, clearly uh, Noah Hawley, who's the gentleman who's the showrunner and head writer on the show, right. is in some aspects aping the Cohen brothers, but he's not just aping them, he's building off of them. He's sort of building off of their style to do their do his own thing and I'm telling you Stu and anybody listening watch this show. I don't I don't I think it's by far the best thing on TV right now. I, my second favorite show currently in production would probably be Better Call Saul, but Better Call Saul would have to step up its game huge in season 2 to stay in the conversation. Otherwise Fargo is absolutely running away with it. So have I made you want to watch Stu? Well, I already wanted to watch it. Well, then what the fuck am I doing this for? I don't know. Oh, the people listening. That's right. We, we actually have listeners. <laughs> I was doing it for their benefit. Um, no, I mean, seriously, it's so good. I can't wait till Mondays every single week. And they literally just announced, like, minutes before we started this episode, 
the show got renewed a couple weeks ago, about a week ago, and I guess Noah Hawley gave an interview with Entertainment Weekly minutes before we were started recording and announced that season three is going to be set just a couple years after season one and that some of the characters from season one who survived may return for season three, making it a direct sequel to season one. And I am just I'm so excited. Everybody needs to watch Fargo. It doesn't get enough love. I never see anybody talking about it. That's why I felt the need to do this. There's there's some TV critics, people who get paid to watch TV in my Twitter feed who talk about it. But like my film fan friends that I'm friends with online, no, I don't see too many people talking about Fargo. Why is that? Is because it's on its FX? Because everyone just streams now. No one has cable. Is that why? I guess. I don't know. I'm just the old man with I mean, cable, I don't have cable. So. And it do, you're saying you're, it does stream on Hulu? It does stream on Hulu. Is season one on Hulu? Uh, apparently you should go and you did you will go watch go watch it's like it's eight bucks a month i don't pay eight bucks a month for hulu i refuse to get hulu either i, I like i already have netflix i already have I, amazon prime I don't, I, I don't want to pay for another streaming service. i have netflix and amazon prime and i'm exactly with you i would pay if i could see if i could cut cable which you have i think i would but uh i i haven't been able to cut cable yet mostly because of sports which no one listening to this wants to hear about but Sports are the thing kind of still tethering me to cable because I need my baseball. Hmm, what? I zoned out. You uh, said sports. Uh, and, you know, my wife and her home improvement shows. Right, right, right. You know how it goes. I do. All right, everybody watch Fargo. Everybody go see <laughs> Creed. Everybody watch Fargo. Everybody go see Creed if you haven't yeah. already. Let's all watch the Batman v Superman trailer. Bat- I still hate that title. Don't you hate the title at least? It is too? a dumb title. And the fact that it's not even, they don't even put the VS. It's just the, the stylized V. It's like, ugh, why is this movie called this? And, and that we can definitely agree on. It seems, and it's not even the Batman v Superman. It's the whole Dawn of Justice. Like, that's stupid. Batman versus Superman. Dawn like, how do you Jesus. not call it, how do you not call it World's Finest? Like in the comics. Well, because you know why? Because that sounds a little too corny for the non-comic crowd. Uh, Be- and because, Dawn of Justice doesn't sound corny. I, that sounds ridiculous. I, I it sounds know. horrible. Let's just let's just hope the movie's more fun than the last few Bond pictures. <laughs> How about that. I just I don't. God, you right. your Skyfall opinion. Here's what everybody needs to do. Everybody needs to follow Cult Spark on Twitter. Find us and like us on Facebook. Please go to iTunes and give us a good review. Stu and I will be back before too long, where I absolutely promise Pinky Swear. I'm not going to we'll call it. We'll probably be back in about two weeks when Star Wars comes out. <laughs> Actually, you're right. We're going to have Star Wars. So we'll be back in two weeks. And there will be, I, I, Pinky Swear, there will be no Pacific Rim mentions and that episode or I any from there on. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next time.